We're going to be in uh, Colossians chapter 4. We're going to continue our, our series in Colossians chapter 4 here this morning. Um, before we hop into anything new, we're going to just take a, a few minutes to review, as, as Sam reminded us on Tuesday night, right? Repetition is the, the price of learning, and as the Apostle Paul would tell us, right, we need to be put in remembrance of the things that we've heard, right? We're, we so easily forget. I know there's things that I read just in my morning reading, and then by lunchtime, it's like it's completely gone from me, and I'm, I'm back walking in the flesh. So let's take a look uh, real quickly at, at what we've looked at here the last few weeks. Uh, we've been in Colossians chapter 4. In verses uh, 2 through 4, we got Paul's instruction in prayer, right? And we saw that the believer ought to be both frequent and guarded in their prayer life. And we said frequent, and that, you know what, as we walk throughout our day, right, we ought to be in continuous communication with God, right? From, from morning till evening, we want to be talking with God just as we walk throughout our day, right? But when we talk about being guarded in our prayer, we're talking about having intentional, right, uninterrupted time with God in prayer, right? And we see Christ himself modeled that for us, okay? The last thing we saw there is that we ought to be thankful in prayer, and we talked about that, right, both in, in good things and in bad Right, and then last week, we were in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, and we saw our need to be both prudent in character, right, and gracious in conversation, right? In verse 5, we talked about our, our conduct, right, and we were to guard our testimony, right? And that was the, the instruction to walk in wisdom, right? And we said that to walk in wisdom is to live in accordance with, with God's commands, with the commands of Scripture, Right, and we said that wisdom in the Bible, it's, it's more than just knowing facts, right? That's, that's knowledge, but wisdom is the ability to actually take knowledge and to apply it to our lives and then to live it out, okay? Psalms 119, 100, it says, I understand more than the ancients, right? I understand more than the ancients, not, not because I went to school, not because I know more facts than everybody else, but because I keep thy precepts, Okay? The next, we saw the need to, to guard our time, right? We talked about redeeming the time. And that word redeem, it means to, to rescue, right, or to buy back. And we said that, you know what, every day God has given us 24 hours. That equates to 1,440 minutes. And we're always investing that time in something, right? And as stewards, God has called us to make good use of our time, right, to show full proof of the time that God has given us and to not invest it in things that simply don't matter, right? Things that are temporal or won't last, right? But instead, to invest it in the things that are going to matter for eternity, right? And sowing the word of God, investing in the souls of men, right? Investing to build the kingdom of God here on earth, right? Remember that our, our charge from Colossians 3.1 was that if we are risen with Christ, right, we're to seek those things which are above, okay? And then in verse 6 last week, we saw the need to, to speak always with grace, right? We talked about our conversation, speaking with grace, and we said that grace, right, by definition, it's the unmerited, it's the unearned or undeserved kindness, goodwill, or, or favor of another, right? And so we said that, you know what, hey, always, right, it means always, right? We're to speak always with grace, and that means that, you know what, just because someone doesn't meet my expectations, just because they frustrate me, or just because they speak ungraciously to me, it doesn't give me a license, it doesn't give me an excuse, right, to be a jerk and to speak without grace to them, okay? So today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and uh, before I do that, I've, I've got to take an opportunity, because we've got 
a big announcement, and this is probably about perfect time. Can John and Marcy come on up here real quick? Um, it's probably about a perfect time. John and Marcy have an announcement for us. I want to make sure these guys get this to you. All right. Hello, <laughs> Marcy's pregnant. Thanks, Jason. So that's it. We're really excited. You guys, have, we love you. You're our family. Um, she just entered into the second trimester. A couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. And people are starting to ask. And so this is <laughs> us sharing this with you so you can be in uh, prayer with us. And we love you guys. So that's it, bro. Thanks, bro. Now, I encourage John to make, a, to make light of this situation and, and to get up and, and to kind of scold the class for the fact that, you know what, some of you guys are making comments, noticing that Marcy's put on a few pounds, and, and maybe she hasn't been eating the healthiest, and you know what, you all should mind your own business and not be so concerned about Marcy's look. And then to, to present the fact that she was pregnant, but, but John didn't go that way. So congratulations to those guys. Man, we love you guys. We're, we're praying for those guys, and so we, we rejoice with you guys. Um, okay, again, this morning we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And I say we're going to cover 7 through 11. I, uh, that was my plan here today, but uh, we're actually only going to make it really through verse 10. Um, Colossians 7 through 11 is, is part of a larger section. It's kind of this last section of the book that we, uh, we might deem as, as Paul's final greetings to the church. And, and in this section, right, Paul is going to give us some, some final words of instruction, some final words of encouragement. But the focus of this section is really on Paul's companions in the ministry, okay? So let's go ahead and read it here this morning. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is my beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent to you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. And Articus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you have received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God which have been a comfort unto me. So let's pray. Father, thank you again for this morning. I, I, I really do thank you for this, the word that you have given us. Lord, I know there, there are some really hidden treasures um, in this word here this morning, God, and you have preserved the, the, the history of these men's lives and, and what they did and how they laid down their life, Lord, in, in faithfulness and in service to you. And so, God, this morning, help us to examine them. And help us to examine ourselves in, in light of what your word has to say, Lord, and, and, and see where we match up and see, Lord, where we fall short. And I pray that, God, again this morning, it would just be a time of reflection for us, um, that, Lord, we would consider where we're at in the ministry. Lord, are we the kind of ministers that, Lord, you would record down in your word for all of history to see and, and to, to look to for examples, Father, or do we have work to be done? We love you, and I just ask for your, for your blessing over this time. Pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as I mentioned, right, this is kind of the last section of the book, right? And we, you certainly do get some instruction here. You get some words of encouragement. But again, the, the focus is going to be Paul introducing his companions in the ministry. 
Okay, it's sections like this that I think if we're, if we're not careful, right, we can tend to kind of read over and gloss over and not get much out of. Um, you get very few words about what I might call secondary characters in your Bible, right? Secondary, not because they weren't important, not because the Lord didn't use them in, in big ways, but just because, you know what, you get very few words about some of these guys, right? We just don't know a lot about them. And because of that, because of that fact, and, and because of the fact that, you know what, you're going to see some commonalities in the things that Paul says about them, right? You're going to see faithfulness as a commonality, right, amongst these guys. You're going to see things like they're, they're all servants, they're all co-laborers, right? You're going to see Paul say some of those things that we can kind of just lump them all into a big pile, and we kind of just kind of gloss over, and we don't necessarily get out of this everything that God would intend for us to do. And so to try to help us with that this morning, I want to start before we hop into these men live and, and try to lay out for you, why does God, why does God actually record this for us in Scripture? Right? God has so few words that he's spoken to us. Right? Why did he take the time to make sure that the Apostle Paul was inspired to record these guys' names and some of the acts that they did in their lives? Okay? So number one here, historically speaking, Right? Paul was commending these guys. He was vouching for these guys to the church, or to the churches, and in this case, the, the church at Colossae. Right? We know from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, right, the Bible tells us that there were in those days, just as there are today, right, there were false prophets and false teachers among the people. And so Paul is specifically vouching for these guys. Right? The word of God at this time, the canon of Scripture was not complete. So there was a need for Paul to go out and to identify men who the church could trust, who were going to speak truth to them, and who were faithful. Okay? Number two, and this is more applicable for you and I today, was to identify the character of God's true ministers. Right? To, to be able to identify the character of true ministers. Right? And it's kind of twofold, right? Number one, it would be so that we could examine ourselves... Right? We want to be able to examine ourselves and see, you know what, Am I, does, is my faith where these guys' faith was? Right? Is my walk with God, is my service to God, is it, is it where these guys were? Right? Because we, we get instruction to be faithful. We get instruction to be servants. Right? But these guys are the ones that God said, hey, look, this is your example. Right? These are the guys that I want you to look at, and I want you to look at their lives and examine what they did. Right? This is what I'm talking about. When I tell you to be faithful, this is it. Right? This is what being faithful looks like, right? so that we can examine ourselves in our own walk with the Lord. Okay? And then we want to be able to ask ourselves, right? if, my, if God today, if he were working through my pastor, if, if, if Kenny Morgan was being inspired by, by God to write another book of the Bible, right? would God work in Kenny's heart to record my name down? Right? And I don't mean that from a boastful standpoint so that we could brag about ourselves. I just mean, man, would God look at my life and the testimony of my life and would he say, hey, you know what, Kenny, I need you to record down Larry Smith's name. Right? I want Larry Smith in my word because for all of eternity, right, I want people to look at Larry Smith's life and Larry Smith got it. Right? He, he saw what my word said and man, he lived that out. And I want him to be a model for everybody else to follow thereafter. Right? Would, would God say that about me? Would he, would he work in my pastor or my disciple or my ministry leader's life to make sure that my name was in his book? Letter B here is, is so that we can examine others. Right? 
there are so many people in this room that, that are in charge with or who help lead ministries in your life. And, and you know what? It's, it's really easy for us to get comfortable with people that we know and that we like and, you know, have the same personality and the same likes that we like, right? But who are you surrounding yourself with in ministry, right? It's an important question, right? Who are you promoting in ministry? Are you, are you just surrounding yourself with people that think exactly like you think and speak exactly like you do and like the same things that you do? Right? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are faithful and that are servants and that lay their lives down to labor for the Lord? Right? I know me personally, um, some of the, the greatest people in, in my life are very different from me. Right? They're very different from me. They don't, they don't like necessarily the things that I like. They're not into sports like I am. They're not into dogs. They're not, you know, we're just different personalities. And maybe outside of the church of God and, and our walk with the Lord, we, we wouldn't even be friends in this life. And yet, man, they're faithful and they're servants and they're laborers for the Lord. Man, those are the kind of people that I want to surround myself with in ministry. Okay, and point number three here is God records this for us as a reminder that we are never alone in the ministry, right? We are never alone in the ministry. And that is, letter A, it's to encourage us, right? To encourage us, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be, with, or be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, right? God will never leave us, nor will he leave us alone amongst his people, in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, the prophet Elijah, right, he's running for his life. He's hiding out in a cave, and he says to God, he says, God, I, even I only, am left. And God's response to him is, no, son. He says, no, I, I have left me 7,000 men in Israel, and all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him, right? He says, you know what? You are not alone. Right? We are not alone in the ministry. And the second part of that right, is, to, is to humble us. Okay? Right? Knowing that we are not alone, whether it's in success or failure, in sickness and in health, in good times or in bad, right? that ought to humble us, particularly when it comes to success or when we see fruit in the ministry. Right? Knowing that I'm not alone, knowing that it's it's by the grace of God that works in and through me, and not just me, but it's the grace of God that works in and through others to bear fruit in my life. All right, so let me just give you guys an example here this morning. I'm, I'm standing up here, and I'm sharing with you the Word of God here this morning, but, but that doesn't happen it, without my wife, right? That doesn't happen if she all week long was, was laboring at the house and, and taking care of things around the house and ordering the home and making sure our kids got back and forth. And yesterday, washing the kids and making dinner and doing everything she had to do to, to allow me the time just to get away and spend time on God's Word and prepare the message here today. Right? That doesn't happen if Mark and Carla Rhodes aren't organizing our services on Sunday and making sure that, that everything's in order and the PowerPoints are ready and the handouts are printed, right? It doesn't happen if, if Jared and, and Nathan and, and Taylor and, and, all, and Mike and, and all of our other team aren't making sure every week that the AV is going, right? So that those who are watching online or those who catch up afterwards, they can hear and receive the message, right? That doesn't happen if the ladies aren't out front and greeting people and making people feel welcome and serving breakfast here this morning, if we're not getting handouts passed, right? That doesn't happen 
if it isn't for the men and the women who have poured their lives into me for years and years and years since the time that I've got saved, right, so that I could know the Word of God for myself and so that I could have anything worthwhile to even be able to share with you guys here this morning. Right? We are never alone in the ministry, and so we don't get to act and say, well, look, look at the fruit that I've got. Right? Look at what I've done, right? All of it is glory to God, and it's glory to God not just for what he's done in my life, but what he has done in other people's lives. Okay? All right, so with that, we're going to go ahead and dive into our cast of characters here this morning. We're going to look at Paul's companion in the ministry. Um, we're certainly not going to have time to cover everything. You know, James, just a, two or three weeks ago, James gave a character study on, on one guy, and, and he spent the entire time, and he didn't even exhaust everything that was about that one guy. And so we're going to try to cover 10 guys in two weeks, and, and we're just not going to be able to cover everything about him. So if you leave here this morning, you're like, man, I knew something about this guy, and he didn't talk about that, like... Praise the Lord. You should share that with us when you get a chance. Um, I'm going to try to give you some, some facts, some general information about these guys, and then we'll try to make some, some personal applications, some takeaways for our own life. And my hope is that this, again, it just gives you some fuel and some direction for, for further study on your own. Okay? All right, so guy number one here this morning, this is Tychicus. Tychicus, right? And I've called him the faithful messenger. The faithful messenger. We see Tychicus in verse 7. His name means by chance or fortuitous. Right? He is first mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Now, I'm, I'm going to rattle off a whole bunch of information. You should have almost all of this in your notes here this morning, okay? And so if I miss anything, I'll, I'll get that to you afterwards. But uh, I wanted to make sure we're, we've got to cover a whole bunch here this morning, and I didn't want you guys scrambling so fast and writing that, that you didn't actually hear. So it should be in your notes, but... Um, again, he's first mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. This is during Paul's third missionary journey. So here's what we know about him, right? The man, Tychicus, he was from Asia, right? Paul calls him a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant, okay? So regarding his acts or his deeds, right? This man was a missionary, right? He joined Paul during Paul's third missionary journey, and it's on the, the leg from Macedonia to Asia. And so, Jared, if you would... Flip over map here. Um, I was hoping this would be a little easier to see, but what, what you've got here on the screen, this is the map of Paul's third missionary journey. And you can see he, he starts off there in Antioch over here in Syria, and he travels on um, eventually through Galatia and on into Asia before heading on over to Macedonia after several years. And it's, it's at this point in Macedonia on his return trip from Macedonia to Asia that, that Tychicus, we see Tychicus show up and he, he joins Paul. He heads back with him to Asia and eventually on into uh, on to Jerusalem. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to share with you some maps here this morning because it helps me when you're kind of reading about these guys. And you're reading about places, and you just don't have any idea where is this at. It just, I don't know, for me personally, it helps just to say, oh, okay, there they are, there they went, there they went, right? It just kind of gives us a, a data point to bounce off of. Um, so this man, Tychicus, he was a minister, right? He was a servant. Uh, Paul said that he ministered to his needs both during his first and second Roman imprisonments, right? And you got your, your cross-references there. Um, probably what Tychicus is most well-known for is the fact that he was a messenger, okay? Uh, Tychicus was with Paul in Rome, and while there, Tychicus actually penned and delivered Paul's epistles to both the Ephesians and Colossians. 
right? And so when we read Ephesians and Colossians today, it's because Tychicus actually wrote it, right? Paul was the author behind it, but Tychicus is the man that actually put pen to paper and wrote it down, okay? So, so Tychicus was, uh, he was later sent by Paul to help Titus in Crete, and then near the end of uh, Paul's ministry, we actually see him sent back to Ephesus um, by Paul. So again, a lot of facts, a lot of information there, and again, I, I think it's kind of easy to see that and read over it and not really uh, consider or appreciate all this, all this man did. And so um, let me try to help us with that this morning. Right, Tychicus, he was one of a, a few people that are directly responsible for the fact that, you know what, millions upon millions of Bible-believing Christians have access to the Word of God in Ephesians and Colossians, Right? Now, I know that, that there were obviously people involved in, in, in the copying of that and the preservation of that and the translation of that word, right? And I don't mean to discount any of the work that they did, but, but Tychicus was one of really three men who had a direct hand in making sure that you and I have that letter today, along with Paul and, and Onesimus, okay? And in doing so, right, Tychicus would have traveled thousands of miles by both sea and land. He would have sacrificed his time and his resources, certainly his own desires in this life, right? And he would have hazarded his own life. You know, traveling back in those days, it would have certainly been a, an OSHA violation, right? An occupational safety and health hazard, right? And he did so so that he could deliver these two priceless books, right, that now form uh, part of our New Testament. So inspirationally, right, what can, we, what can we learn from Tychicus, right? He was faithful. Paul calls him faithful, Right, and, and we ought to be faithful. Right, he was a servant, and we should be servants. But he was also a messenger. Right, and we too should be messengers. You know, from main service to kid town, from hospitality to security, from FOI to discipleship, and everything in between, God has called us to be messengers. In the Bible, another word for messenger, it's ambassador. Right? I mean, someone that, that speaks on behalf or delivers a message on behalf of another. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors, right? We are messengers for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right? We are called to be messengers for Christ not only to the lost world bearing the message of God's grace and salvation and reconciliation through Christ, but we are also called to be messengers to the saved. You know, Tychicus for us, right, he really embodies Paul's instruction in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, which says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same thing commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Right, the things that Tychicus, right, that he heard, that he learned of Paul, he committed to the faithful brethren that were at Ephesus and Colossae, right, through these letters that he delivered. Right, and he likely did so at a very great cost. So some questions for thought this morning, right? Who am I committing the things that I have heard to? Right? All of you are sitting in this room here today, and, and I trust that most of you guys will be in main service. You are here most every week. Right? We're here on Tuesday nights. A lot of you have been through discipleship, LFBI, or in some phase or form of that. 
right? Who are you committing to the things that you have heard, right? And if you are, what could God do with it? Right, what could God do with it? No doubt God used Tychicus, right, his faithfulness and the messages that he carried right, to bring countless members to Christ and to encourage believers throughout the ages. I want you to think about the message that, that you're delivering today. right? So I know my, my wife's in kid town. She'll be back there right after my message. right? And she's got a message for those kids here this morning. Imagine what God could do with the message that she bears. Imagine the, the life and the fruit that those kids could have and the impact that they could have by just sharing the word of God with someone else and then they share it with someone else and they share it with someone else and, the, and all of a sudden, man, just in one lifetime, hundreds if not thousands of people could have heard the word of God because one person was just faithful to be a messenger, to commit the things that they had heard. All right, next we're going to look at Onesimus. Onesimus. Right, Onesimus was the fugitive man. Right, the fugitive man. His name means profitable or useful. He's first mentioned in Colossians chapter 4, verse 9, where he's with Paul at Rome. So here's what we know about him, right? Onesimus was a native of Colossae. He was a runaway slave. Right? He stole from his master Philemon and escaped to Rome. And it's there that he met Paul, and it's such a cool thing. Paul actually was the guy who won to Christ his master Philemon. And, and this runaway slave, he runs away from Ephesus all the way to Rome, and he just happenstance meets Paul, right? It's just awesome how God orchestrates those things. And, and while he's there, he meets Paul. Paul wins him to Christ, and eventually he sends him back to his master Philemon with the letter, right, or the epistle that bears Philemon's name. So Onesimus, he is the, the subject of Paul's epistle to uh, Philemon, right, where Paul makes an appeal to Philemon to, to receive this man, right, to receive Onesimus as a beloved Christian brother, right, and it's really an incredible story, right, that makes great appeal for, for mercy and forgiveness and, and reconciliation. Um, it's one of those stories in your Bible, you know, it, it, if the world would, would really take heed to what we see in Philemon, um, it would go a long way in resolving issues like race and, and social injustices, right? When you see the hard attitude and you see the instruction given in, in Philemon. Um, but here's what we know about, about his acts, right? Like Tychicus, right? He was with Paul in Rome and he helped pin Paul's letter to the Colossians. Um, he pinned and delivered Paul's letter to Philemon. And we, we see that he ministered to Paul's need during his first Roman imprisonment. Okay, and so what can we, what can we learn about Onesimus, right? And the thing that, that, that God kind of impressed upon me was Onesimus's faithfulness, right? And I don't think that's necessarily obvious at first, right? But, but Paul calls him a faithful brother, right? When you consider that Onesimus, right, he was a free man in Christ, but he was still... Philemon's runaway slave, right? He was pardoned by God for all of his sin, but in returning to Colossae, right, he had to answer and face the consequences for what he had done to Philemon. All right, but here's the cool part, right? However unfaithful that Onesimus might have been in his past, right, he was now faithful, right? He was faithful to God, he was faithful to Paul, and he was faithful to Philemon, 
right? The fact that he was willingly, right, he willingly returned to Philemon to face the consequences of his past decisions, right, that was an indictment of his newfound trustworthiness. So some questions for thought here this morning. What could God do with us if we were just faithful? Right? What could God do with us if we were just faithful? Right? Faithful to God, and faithful to his word, and faithful to his mission, and faithful to his people. Right? God used a runaway slave, a thief, who got saved and he got full of faith, to help pin the epistle to the Colossians and to, and to pin and to, to, to deliver right, this letter to Philemon. Right, just imagine the impacts that those two books alone have had on the churches throughout all the ages. Imagine what God could do with us if we were just faithful. All right, the next man we're going to look at here this morning is Aristarchus. Right, Aristarchus, right? And I've, I've deemed him the loyal friend. The loyal friend, right? His name means best prince or best ruler. He's first mentioned in Acts chapter 19, verses 29, or verse 29. And that is during the riot at Ephesus, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But here's what we know about him, right? As a man, right? He was from Thessalonica there in Macedonia, and we see him show up in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Again, Paul calls him a fellow prisoner, right? a fellow laborer. As far as his acts are concerned, right, he is, first see him, and, and when he first shows up on the scene, he's taken, he's actually kind of roughed up there at Ephesus during this riot at Ephesus. And so, if you would, Jared, go to the next map. So, I mentioned this earlier. So during Paul's third missionary journey, right, he travels from Antioch. He goes through the countries of, of Galatia and Sicilia there. And he ends up in Asia, and he spends quite a bit of time there at Ephesus, right? He actually, when you read it, he spends about three years in total there at Ephesus. And while he's there, right, Paul's, Paul's preaching the word of God, and, and, and men and women are getting saved in multitudes, which is, a, which is an awesome thing. And as a result, right, they're, they're forsaking their idols. They're actually, it says that they're burning their, their books, they're these magic books that they were previously trusting in. They, they stop worshiping all these pagan gods that they're worshiping, which is a, a great thing unless you are a merchant who sells uh, statues to idols, right? And so the, the craftsmen of this town, they, they, they realize that, you know what, man, all these people getting saved is not a good thing for business. Right? And so they, they get upset about that. And they create this, this riot there at Ephesus. And when you, when you read the details of this, it, what's fascinating is it's so much like the riots that we're seeing today in society. right? Because it says, hey, you know what, there, there's just mass confusion. Most of the people that were rioting, they didn't even know why they were rioting. right? I just see other people yelling and screaming, so I'm just going to join in and, and be part of this. I don't even know what this stands for, what this means. And, and, and we see that so much today in society. It's like, hey, I'm going to riot for, for Black Lives Matter or for Antifa, or I'm going to riot against the Capitol. And, and you hear so many people afterwards, and they're like, well, yeah, I was there, but I, I didn't really know what I, like, I didn't know what they stood for. I, I just saw a bunch of people in a crowd. And so I was like, yeah, I just followed, I followed them on into the Capitol building. Right? Have you guys heard that? You've seen that in the news where, like, these people who rioted at the Capitol building, and, and they're interviewing them after, they're like, what, what were you doing? And they're like, well, I don't know, I, just, I was just in a crowd, and they started going in the Capitol building, so I went in the Capitol building, right? And they started breaking things, so I started breaking things, right? They didn't even know what they were doing, and that's, that's what happens here at Ephesus, right? They just get these people stirred up, and they're all upset, 
they create this, uh, this giant riot, and so they're, they're looking for Paul. They can't find Paul. And so instead, they grab a couple of Paul's buddies, and they drag him on into a theater, right? And one of these men is, is our, uh, our Aristarchus, right? One of these men is Aristarchus, and they drag him on into a theater. They put him up on a stage, and, and they basically yell and scream at him for, for two hours, okay? Um, in addition to, to that, right, we know this man, he traveled with Paul from, uh, from Macedonia and later returned through Asia to Jerusalem, you pull back up the, the map for me here. So, so he they leave Ephesus eventually after the riot. They go on into Macedonia, and then on the return journey, he comes back with Paul through Asia and on on uh, eventually down on into uh, to Jerusalem. Um, we know that this man he traveled with Paul to Rome. Right, he was later a prisoner with with Paul at Rome. Um, and so again, uh, Aristarchus is just he's one of those guys that you know we can we can easily read about and kind of skim over and not necessarily consider all of what he did, right? And so, again, we, we, we talked about this riot at Ephesus, and I, I want you just for a second to try to put yourself in, in this man's shoes, okay? So here he is, likely just minding his own business, and all of a sudden, he got this mass of people, and they grab him, and they drag him onto this theater, and they, they throw him up on the stage, and they're yelling and screaming, maybe throwing things at him. Right? And, and I'm guessing at one point, right, some thoughts start going through his head that, you know what, I'm not getting out of here. Right? These guys are going to kill me. Right? And, and he's going through all of this just because he's associated with Paul. Right? He's one of Paul's companions in the ministry. You know, and I think for a lot of people at this time, you know, the thought might be going through your head, right? Maybe I need some new friends. Right, maybe maybe <laughs> tagging along with Paul isn't such a good thing here, right? Look at look at what it's gotten me. Right, but not Aristarchus. You know, I I had some friends growing up that uh, frequently got in trouble with, right? I, I'm sure most of us could raise our hand and say, yeah, I, I had some people that I ran around with, and and man, when I did, it just nothing but trouble came, right? Now. Now, this was good trouble. It was for a good reason. You know, most of my friends, it was because we were doing wrong things, right? And so, but, but you know the thing, right? And at some point in your life, you probably said, you know what? Mm, I'm not sure that God necessarily wants me hanging around that person and doing those kind of things anymore. That's not necessarily good for me, but, but not Aristarchus, right? And he continued with Paul. We see that he continued with Paul into Macedonia, eventually back onto Asia and Jerusalem, right, where Paul was taken prisoner. Right, he later sails with Paul from Caesarea to Rome. Um, go to that next map for me, if you would, Jared. Uh, keep, did I put a second map in there? Maybe I didn't. I, must have, I think I sent you a later PowerPoint, but it's all right. Anyways, you can't really see it here on the screen, but, but from Caesarea down there on the bottom, they eventually sail on into Rome. Um, it's a, basically, it was a 2,000-plus-mile journey by sea, right? and, and you can read about that in Acts chapter 27 and 28, and, and during that time, right, they're shipwrecked at sea, and um, really all hell breaks loose, and, and they almost die in the whole matter, but um, they get through that, and uh, man, then you, later in, in the book of Colossians, you find out that, that uh, Aristarchus is there. He's a prisoner with Paul at Rome, right? So all throughout Paul's life and ministry, right, this man Aristarchus, right, he was, he was around, right? He always stayed by Paul's side. And so I say, what can we learn from Aristarchus? And the thing that I would say you can learn from Aristarchus is loyalty, right? Loyalty. 
Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Right? You want friends? Be a friend. Right? Be friendly. Be nice. Right? And it says, And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Right? And that was Aristarchus. Right? This man, Aristarchus, he endeared himself to Paul, and he was a loyal, loyal friend. Proverbs 17, verse 17, it tells us that a brother is born of adversity. Right? And Aristarchus, he certainly experienced plenty of adversity with and because of Paul. And yet he remained a loyal friend. Right? In John chapter 15, verse 13, Christ said this. He says, greater, hath, or greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Right, and this man, Aristarchus, right, he constantly hazarded his life as a loyal friend to Paul. So some questions for thought here this morning, right? Am I loyal to those whom I serve with and serve under in the ministry? Right, am I loyal? Um, you guys probably picked this up last week, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dog guy. I'm uh, sorry to all you you cat lovers out there, um, God loves you. Um, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a dog guy, and, and you know what I, what I love about dogs is a good dog is such a great illustration of loyalty. Um, if you would pull this up. So this is a picture. Some of you guys may have seen this. This was on uh, CBS News. So this is a, a picture. This is a soldier who died overseas, and this is his dog. And, and they brought his body back, and they're having the service, and they brought his dog there. And, and the dog stayed overnight, and it just laid there by his casket, right? And this is such a tremendous illustration of what it means to be loyal, right? You, you can just watch this dog, and, and, and when you really consider what he's done, and, and man, it's till death do us part, right? This is such a tremendous illustration for us. And, and I wanted to say this, right? Loyalty says that unless or until God says otherwise, right, I am with you. I am with you, and that, that's even unto death, Right? That's true loyalty. And so ask yourself, right, am I loyal in the ministry? Right? Would, the, would those who I serve with, would they look at me and say, man, Jason is loyal. Mike is loyal. Jonathan is loyal. Right? Rachel is loyal. Carla is loyal. Man, I can trust Carla to be there. Even when I make poor decisions and get us into trouble, she is loyal. All right, the last man I want us to consider here this morning is Marcus. All right, Marcus. And Marcus, he goes by a few different names. You'll see him called Mark or John Mark in the Bible. And I've labeled him as the redeemed man. The redeemed man. Right now, Marcus's name, it means polite or shining. Right, he is first mentioned in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And it's there that he accompanies Paul and Barnabas um, from Jerusalem onto Antioch. And here's what we know about him, right? The man, Marcus, right? He, in terms of where he's from, we, we don't exactly know. It's likely that he was a native of Jerusalem. He was part of the, the early church there in Jerusalem. We know that he was the nephew of Barnabas, right? And he may have been a convert of Peter. Um, Paul calls him a fellow laborer, okay? Regarding his acts, right, again, Paul, uh, I'm sorry, um, Marcus, he accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey 
You see that in Acts chapter 13. And, and later, when things got difficult, Mark abandoned them at uh, Perga, and, and he ultimately returned home. Okay, in Acts chapter 15, we, we see him, um, our Barnabas left Paul, and he took Mark with him on to Cyprus. And later we see this man, Marcus, right? He ministered to Paul during Paul's first Roman imprisonment, right? We also know that this man, Marcus, he's the author of the Gospel of Mark, okay? So what can we learn from Marcus, right? What can we take away from this man's life? I, I kind of threw a bunch at you there, and you're probably wondering, well, wait a minute. How did he go from abandoning these guys during the first missionary journey, and, and now all of a sudden he's back with Barnabas on the second, and then later he's with Paul, like what happened there? So when you, when you read the Bible, right, you read Acts chapter 15, you realize that you know, there was this... Um, there was a stark contention between Paul and Barnabas, right? Because John Mark had earlier, he had left them during their first missionary journey. Again, when things got hard, he bailed and returned home. And so there's this contention, you know, hey, we're about to go out again. Do we take John Mark with us or not, right? And Paul was in the camp that, look, he's unfaithful. I can't trust him. I'm not taking him with us. And Barnabas was like, hey, look, man, he's changed. He's profitable. We need to give this guy another chance. And, and, and they can't agree. And so they ultimately, they split ways. Barnabas takes um, Mark or John Mark with him on to Cyprus and Paul takes, takes Silas. Okay. And they go separate ways. But um, what's awesome is that eventually um, Barnabas gets right, right. Eventually Barnabas gets right and Paul sees this in Barnabas. And so Paul actually sees the prophet in Barnabas, and, uh, and they get reconciled together. And so um, what I think we can learn from Marcus is that, you know what, our past failures don't have to define us. Right? Our past failures don't have to define us. You know, I think a lot of people, right, they've failed before, right? And because they were, they failed because they were unfaithful or they let others down in the past, they, they just assume that, you know what, God could never use me. God can never use me, and, and I want to make this point to you, right? There are people in your Bible that have failed way worse than you ever will, or than you ever have, and yet God used them, right? When you consider guys like David, and Noah, and Paul, and John Mark here, right? I mean, just look at the failures that these men had, and yet... God goes on to use them in incredible ways, right? This man, Marcus, he was the author of one of the four Gospels, one of the four accounts that we have of Christ on this earth, right? Mark picked himself up, he got off the ground, and he got to work, right? He redeemed himself. You know, on the, on the flip side of that, right, and I, if I can kind of steal a Samism here, right, we don't get to throw people away who God bled and died for. Right? We don't get to throw away those who God bled and died for. And that includes those who have let us down the most. Right? The guy or that girl that lets you down, that you know what, they, they were unprofitable at one point, but you know what? The Lord doesn't see them that way. Right? The Lord sees the potential in that person. The Lord sees, you know what, hey, this person can be profitable unto me. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness, let all wrath, let all anger, let all clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Right? If God can forgive us, we ought to forgive one another. 
right? Trust is something that is earned, but forgiveness should be automatic. Trust is something that is earned, but forgiveness should be automatic, especially to those who ask us for it. So some questions for thought, right? Here are my past failures, right? Are they keeping me from doing what God's called me to today? Right? Are they holding me back from what God has called me to today? And again, on the flip side of that, right? Is there a brother or sister in ministry that I've thrown away? Right? Someone that hurt me or they let me down and, and you know what? I just need to forgive them whether or not they've asked for it or not. We need to get a Philippians 2-3 mindset, right? To esteem others better than ourselves. Even those who've let us down. Even those who failed us at, our, at the most inopportune time. All right, we need to esteem others better than ourselves. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for these men's lives. I thank you, God, for Tychicus, Lord, just this messenger and how he was faithful, Lord, to, to, to sit at Paul's side, Father, to receive the things of your word and to write them down and then to deliver, Lord, hazarding his life, traveling thousands of miles and laying down his time and his resources and, and whatever desires that he had out of this life, Lord, in order that we could have these incredible books today. Lord, I thank you for Onesimus and uh, the fact that, Lord, he was once unprofitable, but, Lord, when he got saved, man, he just got full of faith. You know, to think about a runaway slave and what that would have meant to return into his master at the time and... and but he had every reason why not to go back, and yet he just trusted in your word, knowing that, that Lord, he had a, a master who was saved, that he was following another who was saved, and he just trusted in your word, and he, and he full of faith, and he went back, and because of this man, Lord, we have the letter of Philemon today. And when I think about Aristarchus, Lord, and just how loyal of a friend he was, Lord, in spite of, of all the trouble that came upon him and all the obstacles that came up in his life, Lord, he stuck by Paul. Lord, we, I, I want to be that loyal friend to those that, Lord, you put me in service with. Lord, I want to be loyal to you. That even when things get hard, Lord, I'm, I'm not turning my back. I'm not bailing on you, Lord. It, it's, it's, I'm with you until death do us part. And I'm with those who you put me in ministry with, Lord, until or unless you say otherwise. And, and Father, lastly, Marcus, Lord, we, we've all failed and we've all fallen short. And I, and I thank you that you record that for us, Lord, because that's, that should be an encouragement to us. That, Lord, when we, when we have failed, Lord, it doesn't mean that you're done with us. Lord, we just need to pick ourselves up and we need to get full of faith and we need to trust in you and walk in you. And, Lord, just to see the incredible impact that you made on that man's life despite how he failed previously. And to think that, God, you could use us in that way and that you want to use us in that way it's just incredible and so again lord I, I just thank you so much for this morning thank you for the examples that we have i pray that lord again we would just examine ourselves in light of your word and in light of these incredible examples that you've given us and, and pray that lord again you would just have free reign in our hearts and lives to make whatever changes you want to make but we give you all the praise all the honor and all the glory for it in advance in christ's name amen